your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, I did want to talk about Winnipeg versus San Jose, and maybe talk about some interesting trends that we're starting to see with this Jets team. Some stuff I think is very obvious. Other bits are notes of, of positivity and one or two notes of concern. Overall, though, I tend to think the good outweighs the bad, though, you know, it is still a very early sample size. I wouldn't read too, too much into it, but I think that there are some things that we can take away at least and start thinking about for the future. So against the Sharks, this Sharks team has traditionally, at least this season, given the Jets uh, a number of fits, not everything has been easy for the Jets this season, and certainly against some of the teams that are considered rebuilders, Winnipeg has struggled. Now, When it comes to the Sharks, I think the initial expectation was that they were also one of those rebuilders. I think they're a little bit better than that. I think they're actually like a modest wildcard contender, I would say. I don't think that they're much more than that, but as it is, they're like a solid average NHL team. And they can put hurting on you if you uh, start to give them opportunities to score and, and make some sloppy turnovers and stuff. So this is not a Sharks team that you want to take lightly, and I think Winnipeg has at times in the past struggled against teams that they maybe underestimate. I believe this is their third meeting already, though, so by this time, the Jets basically know what to expect with San Jose, and they came into tonight's game looking pretty aggressive, and I thought they handled the Sharks in the first period pretty okay. Winnipeg started testing James Reimer pretty early, and you could tell that the the Jets were kind of frustrated with their last game, I think. Not as many pucks were going in. The Jets were hoping to beat the Blues in regulation, and honestly should have, but thanks to some unlucky bounces here and there and stuff, They just could not break that last barrier. This time, though, it seemed like they were out to find that perfect scoring opportunity and uh, and pounce on it against the Sharks. And we got a really good look after a couple of early exchanges between both teams, thanks to another Pierre-Luc Dubois line goal. This one was started by a great right flank zone entry from Evgeny Svechnikov. His teammates in Dubois and Connor followed suit, and it was basically a three-on-two. Svechnikov kind of sauced it over to Dubois, who basically deflected it off of Reimer's pads. Reimer didn't really have a chance to recover the puck, and Connor just sort of poked it home and cashed in. It was like a nearly perfect, textbook, beautiful, not necessarily like tic-tac goal in the usual sense, but I would say if you're looking for like really good lateral pass in motion, this was as good of a counter rush as you get. It had great passing uh, side to side almost, leading to a beautiful goal for the Jets. Uh, By this time, the Sharks had already scored, and this one was a bit of a defensive lapse from, I don't actually remember which deep pairing, it might have been Dylan and Pionk. I think Dylan tried to pass it to Kyle Connor. Connor wasn't really expecting it, and the puck just sort of fluttered through his stick, and then Connor didn't really double back and try to recover the puck. So immediately it set up a two-on-one, and Cogliano was basically unmarked in front of the net, partly because he had recognized Burns had already had the turnover. Uh, Neil Pionk was already starting to push up 
you know, through the, the defensive zone to prepare for like a counter rush and got caught a little bit, not really his fault, but just in general, a bit of a miscommunication, a really bad turnover. You know, people will say, well, it was, it was Dylan's fault. Others will say it was Connor's fault. It was on both of them. I think it was a bit of a sloppy mistake, but it is what it is. You sort of expect that. I think that this Dylan Pionk pairing for my money hasn't exactly been nearly as stout defensively as you'd hope. I don't think it was expected to be like a shutdown pairing, but certainly like league average in defense I thought would be possible. We've seen Pionk play really well at times, um, and I thought Dylan would be the stabilizing partner he needs. Hasn't quite worked out that way yet, but I think in general this team is going to lean less on a defensive presence and more in firewagon hockey. I think that that first period was a good example of why. You know, the Jets were exchanging a lot of end-to-end rushes, a lot of dangerous opportunities, uh, and just a lot of back-and-forth counters uh, with the Sharks, which the Sharks team off the rush is pretty dangerous, and we know that the Jets traditionally do not handle rush defense well. This is especially true when they have odd-man situations, and a couple of times I felt like the Sharks got really close to scoring, but either thanks to a nice defensive block or a nice save from Hellebuck, the Jets kind of kept it, uh, you know, 1-1. I will say that Hellebuck, I thought, had a couple of rebounds and stuff that were really risky he tends to deflect pucks up the middle or into areas where his defenders can't really recover and clear it that's probably one thing he wants to work on a little bit is swallowing up those pucks a lot more and and keeping the slot clear because the jet slot defense tends not to be all that great other than that i thought it was a fine first period after that you know opening mistake with the cogliano goal the jets settled down they got that beautiful rush goal with the dubois line and in general it felt like the jets were pretty consistently rolling across all of their lines I will say that I felt like the Shifley line is still kind of a work in progress, and unfortunately, Blake just doesn't really seem like a top nine player anymore. And I hate to put it in those words because I feel like, you know, he is the captain, and obviously we want to see more from him, and and everyone wants him to get plenty of ice time. But, you know, when you see him try to finish opportunities and struggle to keep up, mishandle the puck under pressure, all of that stuff, it's just hard to find the right spot and roll for him. So I don't know what the Jets do. I think Wheeler at this stage of his career is really closer to retirement than anything. And it's just tough to see because, like, you know, he's he's one of my personal favorite players over the past couple of years, and the prime version of him really didn't struggle with any of this. But obviously he's, what, like 33, 34 now? So, you know, once you lose your ability to drive and, and skate in the way that he used to and have that powerful stride, it's just not as effective. And unfortunately, the rest of his game has suffered as a result. So that is, that is one thing that that line is going to need to work on. We did see later in the game that Ehlers ended up moving into Lowry's spot instead. We'll see if that unit starts to click later on in the season because Shifley is still doing a lot of the heavy lifting right now and unfortunately he's just not finding the back of the net. And I think, you know, a lot of his passes and stuff that should be goals either get magically saved or the attempts just aren't all that great. So a a, uh, relatively back and forth first period, I would say it's even kind of, but I did feel like at some point the Jets would start to pull away if they kept up the pressure and put San Jose in a bind. We'll check in on the Jets in the second period and see if in fact they keep up the pressure in just a moment. But before we move on, I thought you should hear a little bit about why betonline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. 
Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are taking a look at Winnipeg versus San Jose, which, after the first period, was tied 1-1. Bit of an interesting game. I thought the Jets in the first period, they played pretty evenly, a couple of really good stretches here and there, some defensive issues at other times, but overall, a pretty even period. The second period rolled in, and I was kind of curious to know if the Jets would actually keep up the pressure, and as it turns out, Winnipeg played a pretty decent middle frame. It looked relatively similar to what happened in the opening period, where both teams definitely had some end-to-end rushes, but I sort of felt like the Jets might have been a little bit closer to scoring some very good opportunities. I thought the Jets looked lively, they were getting some dangerous chances around Reimer, but overall, Reimer was still very much up to the task, and it felt like Winnipeg maybe was running into a situation where they were getting another Jordan Bennington, where, you know, some of the best opportunities either just got deflected wide, or they just could not get directly in front of Reimer to find those gaps in the net. And so, you know, I was kind of wondering, is this going to be the period where the Jets control most of the play, but then end up conceding and suddenly the game falls out of reach a bit? Or would the Jets finally get what they were due? And thankfully, thanks to Nate Schmidt thunderclapping one home, they actually took the lead. This shot, basically from a nothing play, and uh, was actually a fantastic lap shot from the right point, just somehow beat Reimer cleanly. I I think that there was a screen set up from the Shifley line, and maybe Reimer just didn't see it at all, but that shot thundered off of Schmidt's stick as fast as possible, and suddenly Winnipeg was up 2-1. From there, it was like something switched on with the Jets. It seemed like the pressure started to dial up. Winnipeg had a little bit more of a killer instinct. It felt like there was maybe some blood in the water, which is funny because we're playing the Sharks, and obviously you would expect San Jose to be prowling around looking for the uh, the tying goal, but it was actually the Jets who then added a second goal thanks to a nice shift from the Lowry line that saw Lowry creating a 2-on-1 with Jansen Harkins at the left flank, and Harkins this time actually got a nice goal thanks to some great patience from Lowry to wait out the 2-on-1 and wait until the passing lane was just perfect and Harkins basically could not miss. So a very good opportunity, a great goal, and the Jets found themselves up 3-1. The rest of the period was more or less the same with Winnipeg generally controlling play. I don't think that they were nearly as aggressive. With a 3-1 lead, they kind of just started playing a little bit of, of possession and defense, disrupting San Jose's breakouts, and generally frustrating the Sharks. This led to a third period where the Jets then dominated almost the entire like last 20 minutes of the game. Uh, you know, San Jose basically didn't get any looks on net. The only shots that they did have generally weren't too dangerous. Hellebuck found them pretty easily. And uh, the Jets really kept San Jose from gaining many clean breakouts. It wasn't like the Sharks were completely toothless, but generally speaking, even when they had odd man situations and rushes, the Jets mostly handled it. You could argue Winnipeg got lucky on a couple of occasions, but overall I felt like the Jets just completely controlled the play and did it to the point where the Sharks just never really looked like they were threatening much. And the Jets actually had a couple of decent scoring opportunities themselves. I thought that there were a number of missed chances, so it was kind of frustrating because, you know, Winnipeg was... Maybe a little bit careless and sloppy here and there. They could have finished a couple of opportunities that might have put this game away for good, but they did leave it out a little bit. I'm not really going to complain, though, because in general, I thought the Jets did more than enough to keep everything going. I thought that they looked sharp. They were controlling play. 
they really kept the Sharks out of any dangerous areas. And then the Jets added a nice empty net goal with Pierre-Luc Dubois getting an assist from Ehlers to make it 4-1. And like that, the Jets closed the game out. So overall, this game was a really dominant effort, to be honest. I think the Sharks, aside from a couple of odd man situations and rushes where they did threaten here and there, Overall, I mean, the Jets had the run of the play and were the much better team. Some standout performers on the evening. Pierre-Luc Dubois easily gets my, I guess, MVP of the game. I thought that he had a dominant effort. He just looked like he was everywhere. He was doing his classic PLD stuff with, you know, great slot drives, really powerful presence on the puck. I thought that he brought in his linemates perfectly, and he just seems to have this ability to elevate the play of his teammates to a level that we really haven't seen from this team in some time. You know, the, the chemistry that he has with Zvechnikov and Connor is just fabulous. Speaking of Zvechnikov, I thought Zvechnikov was very good. He, again, just plays as a really nice complimentary piece. And sure, he might not rack up like, you know, 60 goals or something a season, but the way that he seemingly gets into spaces, finds good passing and shooting lanes, and just generally makes a nuisance of himself alongside Dubois and Connor, who do a lot of the predominant scoring, it just makes the team so much better. And it means Winnipeg can kind of spread the wealth out a little bit offensively, right? So the uh, the deeper lines have more ability to sort of get that extra scoring jump that they need when they can move another player like, I don't, I don't know, Ehlers around or even some of the other guys like Veselainen. And the broad theme that I get with tonight's lineup was that it was just very balanced. The only real weak spots I felt were, you know, Wheeler and Stanley. You know, both of them have had rough starts to the season, which it's... It's hard to be too mad at Wheeler. I mean, you know, he's gone through COVID and stuff, so it's not like you can really be too harsh on the captain who's still probably getting back and, and feeling some of the rust as he gets back up to game speed. But, you know, it's just a weird time with the Jets team. Uh, certainly their captain, it seems like his ice time is just slowly going down. He finished the game with 17 and a half minutes or so of ice time, which I never thought that I would see that. You know, it's, it's a pretty rare sight. Um, not something that you would often expect. Ehlers and Shifley had 19 minutes apiece, which is much better, and it's it's basically how it should be. And basically, it's just, uh, you know, it's just nice to see really balanced deployments, which is something that the Jets haven't always had in past years. This was a game in which all three of the first three lines were rolling, and the fourth line ended up providing some nice defensive support. Just stuff you love to see. So I think that this actually presents some interesting stuff going forward for the rest of the season. And in just a moment, we'll talk about what this may mean for the Jets and if we should start thinking about Winnipeg as maybe a legitimately good team. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on Winnipeg as a genuinely decent team or not. I think that's a very big question as we've kind of gone through the past couple of weeks and we've seen mixed results from Winnipeg. There are some games where it seems like the Jets look much like their past couple of years form where nothing really seems to work, the offense at even strength is appallingly bad, the special teams are a disaster, and nothing really works right. And then there are other games where they just completely and utterly dominate their opponents. And we've now had two straight games of the Jets completely dominating their opponents. Now the thing is, neither of their opponents were actually bad teams. They were legit contenders. I would say the Blues more so than the Sharks, and look, both teams do have significant flaws, right? But these are actual quality NHL teams. It's not like you're crapping on the Chicago Blackhawks or something. These are teams that expect to make the postseason more than likely and could actually make some noise in a round or two. So the Jets might actually be good. I think that that's something we haven't really been able to say about the team in a while. 
Uh, and it, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is that the offense for once has legitimate balance, maybe some of the best forward balance we've ever seen it, uh, especially since 2018 or so when they had that monster team. This squad maybe isn't at that level, but certainly has games where they look like it. I think the, the line balance is pretty much ideal. The line combos in general are working pretty well. Uh, you know, and, and like Blake Wheeler not playing more than 18 to 19 minutes a night has a huge impact elsewhere on the roster. Dubois being one of the top guys getting ice time and, and really dominating his shifts has been a huge boost for this team. Ehlers playing more continues to be a positive trend. He is getting like among the, the leading ice times for any player out there. So, you know, the coaching staff has made some adjustments. These are things that we've been asking for for a while, and finally the Jets are doing it. And maybe Winnipeg is actually starting to put two and two together. The reasons for optimism are that Winnipeg has good forward balance, they have a power play that can be dangerous at times, and they've got pretty great goaltending if Comrie is able to continue his level of, of performance as this backup so far. Now, why shouldn't we be as bullish on the team? There are a couple of concerns, and I think one of the biggest ones has been the penalty kill. This continues to be an issue for the Jets. It's not something that they seemingly have figured out quite yet. I don't know if they're going to become more aggressive and maybe switch up some of the personnel, but it is kind of a, a large issue because the Jets have one of the worst penalty kills out there. And it's like, it's, it's a frustrating thing because the penalty kill has been an issue for years and it's just never really been fixed. Even though they didn't concede as many opportunities last year, that's mostly because Hellebuck was standing on his head. Aside from the penalty kill, I also have some questions about the overall team's defense, especially on the back end. I don't mind the forwards taking liberties and scoring freely. If they're going to exchange chances and play firewagon hockey, that's totally okay with me. I don't mind that as much. But I do think that the blue line does need some adjustments. We need another puck mover who can really be... Um, somebody who's a mobile back and quarterback at times, and who can provide additional offensive support for this team. I also wouldn't mind seeing some of the pairings kind of worked around a bit. Pionk Dillon hasn't been ideal. Stanley is really struggling alongside DeMello. So there are some, uh, are some points of concern for me, I would say. But on the whole, the Jets are probably the most watchable that they've been in many years. I say this as somebody who's watched a lot of Jets hockey over the past couple of seasons. This is one of the better Jets teams that we've seen since 2018. It's not perfect, it has a long way to go, and obviously the season is really just getting underway. We're about, what, like 12% of the way through, so I, I wouldn't get too excited yet, but I think that there are signs for what could be a pretty decent team. You know, the forward lines have balance, there's a decent amount of scoring depth, the power play could be dangerous, the defense in general has improved in a lot of areas, enough to probably compensate for the lack of defensive awareness maybe, but, you know, uh, do I think the team has the potential to win the cup? No, not yet. I, th I think that they're still a bit off. Uh, there's stuff that they're kind of working out as they continue to be aggressive and learn what risks they can take and what they can't get away with, but, you know, for once I feel that optimism again. When I came into the season, I thought that the improvements to the roster and lineup might be enough to get the Jets through a round or two, and I'm starting to think that again. There were a couple of games where I was concerned, like, things weren't really gelling. You know, the defense looked shambolic. Uh, the offense was struggling as well. But the Jets have been pretty okay. So if we get this level of play more times throughout the season, I, I think that there would be reasons to be anticipatory of whatever the Jets do in the postseason. Again, too early to get too, too excited, but there are positive signs. So keep an open mind about the Jets. I'd be curious to know what you think about this season. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. 
For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make Locked on Bets your second listen. They're your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.